business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. I think that COVID report gets longer every week. If I start my interviews like halfway to it, very interesting to listen to because where I'm sitting now, the, um, the lockdown has been extended um, for another couple of days. Hopefully it'll be over in, on Monday. But the bottom line is if people don't listen and people don't behave, this thing is going to keep spreading. So that's really what it's all about. But a couple of months ago, we spoke to Neva Adas, who's a partner at DXDY, and we, we, he was one of the first interviews we had about working remotely, about working from home, about not being in the office, not being in the environment, and how to work with it. And it was quite novel. It was quite exciting to discuss those things. I remember I was sitting in a hotel room. Um, Neva, I think, was in his kitchen. And we did this interview. And now, all of a sudden, many, many months later, this is the way we operate. Never had us, partner at DXDY Digital. Welcome back to High FM. Hi, Avi. Thanks for having me. Great. We've learned a lot over the last kind of while. And I say we, I think I talk about myself. I, I didn't believe this was possible. The first time I did it, I was like a little scared, you know, kid outside the principal's office, not quite sure what to expect. Now it's just absolutely routine and I'm absolutely loving it. The meeting starts at 10 o'clock. Hello, how are you? How's the dog? Great. You get into it. It's finished. It's not an hour to get there, hour to get back. The guy feels bad that you slept, so he'll talk nonsense for 15 minutes, get to the point, and move on. How are you finding it in the real world, uh, big picture? So for us, you know, very little has changed, actually. Because we've been doing this for so, for so many years, you know, for us, it's been exactly the same environment. Uh, what we're seeing that's really happening, that the big shift that companies are really dealing with now, is as you said, as it becomes reality, and we're seeing CFOs looking at their balance sheets and their income statements and saying, do I need all this property? You know, what am I doing with this? And then from that, we're seeing the impact on HR departments are saying, oh my God, we'll never have an office again because you guys are looking to reduce office space. And then we're seeing the impact on them rethinking how do they keep everyone in touch and engaged and working together. So, so we're really seeing the maturity of the process accelerate um, very, very rapidly, which is exciting. Now, was this inevitable or did Corona actually create something that a few geeks like yourselves would have done, but the rest of us would have just stupidly plodded back to the office at some ridiculous rag per square meter for the rest of our life? I think it accelerated something that would have maybe taken another couple of generations to impact. So I think, I think it would have happened but it would have been a fringe. You know, maybe at the moment it was 1% or 2%. It would, maybe in 10 years it would have been 8%. Maybe it would have been 30%. But the COVID environment has just accelerated it out of the box. So we're almost 20 years down the line now of where it would have been naturally. And um, I think we've hit a, a nerve here because the SMSs are coming in sharp and fast. And okay. one of the things I'm seeing a lot here are people saying, yeah, it's all good and well. Um, Jeff says, yeah, it's all good and well, but the telephone lines don't cope. Every time I call a call center, I have to call two or three times. The lines are terrible. I often hear kids screaming in the background, and it's just not professional. How do we get that right? 
So, so I think this is, this is what people are struggling, this is what businesses are struggling with right now. It's a shift to digitization that has hit them too quickly and they haven't thought through all the aspects. So everyone's just responding at the moment. So if you look at what will happen over time, and this, this is things we're already seeing in companies' policies, is even call centers, as he's speaking about, the people working at home will get a better line from the company, right? There'll be better infrastructure that is distributed. People who are working from home will get better speakers or better headsets. Um, if you look at, the, at what's happening in home decor and home office, there is a sound deadening uh, elements that you can now buy for your house, and that's going to grow. So our entire concept of like of, of how, how houses are furnished, what kind of houses we buy, all of these things will shift. So this is a very uncomfortable year or two, but I think what you'll see, you know, kind of three, four, five years on, this will really stabilize and you won't see any differences between the two environments. Now, Deborah, I'm pointing question. I'm doing this interview now with you from Israel and the line is clearer than when I used to do the same interview from Johannesburg. Um, we might have been, I was about two kilometers, if that, from the station, <clears throat> maybe 10 kilometers from you. I'm now thousands of kilometers away, and it's crystal clear. Correct. I mean, the call before this, I was speaking to the UK, and before that, it was Germany, and before that, it was, you know, it doesn't make a difference anymore. I think it's not so much the telecoms infrastructure. It's just making sure that that environment that you're connecting to is okay. And I think what's happened, especially in South Africa, um, a lot of people that are in, in entry-level jobs don't have the infrastructure around them in their home. And and we're going to see that shift. That is why where com- company policies have to really change to say, right, how do I enable people to work from home more efficiently? Because actually there's a big saving for people in lower income brackets who don't have to commute. You don't have to worry so much about childcare. I mean, it, it's going to change. It will change their lives and their children's lives. And I think that's a real big benefit. You know, I just had a pure example of me yesterday. I, I was out. I needed a document urgently from my office in Johannesburg. I called um, the lady who runs my, my office in Joburg, and she said to me, how urgent is urgent? I said, well, you know me, urgent is like yesterday. Why? She says, I've just got a call from the school. I've got to go fetch my kid. There's been a COVID breakout over there. And the lady looked across the desk to me and said to me, so you'll send it to me in 20 minutes, in half an hour, not the end of the world. Well, you send it from your phone now, or I, I'm only going to do the prep work later on this afternoon anyway. And there was just a sense of humanity that came in. Of course, your kid comes first. And yeah. my document will wait. It's not like I need a medical document that I can't have an operation now. And uh, I found that absolutely sobering as to um, how things work. Before I get back to the questions, let's maybe jump in a little bit. Give us a... And it, um, a taste of how your business has grown, how you found the last year, not so much in the growth of your business, because clearly there has been that, but how you've enabled business to adapt and to change and to grow, and more importantly, allowed the gray-shoed CEO or CFO who's been there for many years, who's still not quite comfortable to actually get comfortable with what he or she needs to do. Cool. So, so I think I think that's a multifaceted question. So I'm going to kind of tackle the part. You've got you've got ten minutes. Take your okay, time. great. There we go. Take my time. So I think look, I think firstly we have seen lots of growth, and we've seen lots of growth in the midsize and the large corporate businesses. Um, some of the companies are already working with us, and we saw those projects accelerate, like the Vodacoms and those kind of guys. And some companies were new, like Absa, that they were starting to look at those kind of things. So for me, what was interesting about that is that 
they have to have go through an immersion process of understanding that there's different ways that work will happen. And a lot of that is letting go. I, th- I think we don't focus enough, and, and I'll say that's the key learning we've had, is focus on the loss. You, people Give people time to mourn the fact that they've lost the corner office, right? They've lost that sense of physical power or physical kind of ability of everyone coming to them and that they need to transform through that. And once they can get over that that shift of location and place, they're far more able to accept the digitization and say, oh, wow, actually now everyone's got a corner office, right? Everyone's but got never, a great... But never, I think you underestimate the trauma of having to go buy your own recoffee. It's simply get free in the office. I don't underestimate it. I know it's a terrible <laughs> thing. You have to buy your own I'll brand. tell you what, oh, never, we need to run to the shops quickly. Craig said I've got a live read. So let me do this. We'll take a quick ad and then we'll come back. Never, just in case you didn't know, February the 1st is car insurance day, which was yesterday. The perfect reminder to reevaluate your current car insurance. So what do you do? You SMS the word out, that's O-U-T, to 40251, or you call 0800 For a quote, an insurance could save you money. If they can't, you can ask them for 500 rand or 1500 rand if you've been claim free for the same share for the last three years. I guess I shouldn't bother. That's out to 40251 or call 0860000. So that's 0860060000 and let the celebrations begin. Our insurance is a licensed insurer and FSP, T's and C's and standard insurance rate supply. SMS, however, is free. Great, take us to the Hi, FM, your station of choice since 2008. Thank you. donkey. Doribua. Shukran. dank. From all of us at Chai FM, thank you for supporting our advertisers. If you have missed any contact details, get to chaifem.com, click on advertisers, and you'll find the contact details there. Get lit, get radio, get Chai FM. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101. I'm Chai FM. It's 1221 on the Zoom line with me. He's never had us. He's a partner at DXTY. And I very uh, rudely interrupted you with the Rick Coffee story. But uh, take us back to the real world where people have realized that uh, the new normal is not what it was. Sure. So, so as, as I was saying earlier on, firstly, there's a realization that, that companies' culture will change, right? And I think that's, that's where this loss aversion thing comes in. The CEOs are, are holding on, and you've got, to, you've got to realize that that is definitely changing. And what we're finding the guys that are doing it successfully are putting in place, they're putting in place a plan. They're saying, right. In five years' time or in three years' time, we know that this has to be done a lot better than it is being done today. We have to be proactive about how this world is changing. And they're starting to look at their policies and they're starting to look at the ways of working and saying, okay, great. What are the things we need to do to put in place so that our employees are taken care of and can be more effective remotely than they are today? Because if you think about it, this is brand new, right? I mean, yes, we're doing the Zoom call and that's easy and the video calling is easy, but actually we haven't replaced much from the telephone with what we're doing now. Right. When you look at the levels of digitization, levels of digital working, this is almost like emulating what you did at the office, but at home. The teams that are really getting it right are moving into more asynchronous communication. There's more and more stuff that's being done outside of email, outside of Zoom calls, either through messaging, which is very asynchronous, 
or even through digitized workflows so that the entire process of work is shifting. You know, one of the big things people struggle with is saying, well, how do I know if everyone's doing their job? I can't see them. What are they doing? What are they up to? And that's their challenge. And that's because they're trying to manage people who are working within an inbox, an email, which is very disorganized and very unstructured. And they can't really see very clear what people are doing. When you move towards digitized workflows, which is a lot of work we've been doing with corporates now, you start, you get a very clear view at any point in time, just where people are in their jobs. And that kind of covers everything from administrative jobs to marketing, to creative type of industries that you can follow through and track through. And, and it really gives you an advantage and an opportunity to, to allow people to be more efficient and effective at what they're doing. And, and, and very clearly give the entire organization transparency to where everyone is at and where things are happening in the, in the business. So it's a significant shift in how we approach work that, that really needs to take place. So firstly, how you approach people and then how you approach the work that people are doing. So never, looks like people are taking advantage of you over here, but that's good. That's what the show is all about. Colin <laughs> says, I, I'm a CFO, um, you know, large company and I'd like to know from Neville what his experience across the board is. Have staff members who have been given this responsibility risen to the challenge or taken advantage of it? What is the general trend in South Africa at the moment? Okay. General trend is staff have risen to the challenge. That is the good news. Mostly people have risen to the challenge and work super hard and have really been very effective and have really put in the hours. The flip side of it is that there's been a lot of burnout. And I think we're going to see more and more burnout hitting right now. When I speak to my, our compatriots in the UK, that's what they're worried about right now. You know, they're worried about burnout and burnout and the impact it will have on the medical health system um, because people are going to have mental fatigue and are going to be exhausted because they spend so much time in front of a computer and not enough time kind of walking around and doing other things. So I think remote working plus COVID has meant uh, burnout is a big challenge. I, I would say to him that the biggest challenge to how effective the people have been is their team leaders. You know, team leaders that have given, have kind of transitioned well into managing the remote teams. You can see those teams are really flourishing and, and being more productive and more active than ever before. Team leaders that have not done very well have had a lot of disengagement by their teams. And you can see though, you can see that behavior quite clearly. And that's where you have to put in effort. So it's a, how your team leaders leading their remote teams is a critical question often. I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I've got a big smile on my face because um, I have a, a, a team's meeting with my staff only once a week on a Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock. And I am all of a sudden not running the meeting. I'm taking a back seat and listening to the lady who's in charge of the Johannesburg office, taking control of what's going on, which always happened. But I have a funny feeling I'm here, I'm spilling my own personal management style uh, out in public. Maybe I kept sort of standing and, and, and sort of crowding her style, so to speak. Now that she's been given the, the, the breath to do it and an opportunity to make it happen, all of a sudden it's quite incredible to see what happens and the efficiencies have gone through the ceiling. It's, it's really, really great. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think I think people have appreciated and generally kind of risen up to the to the autonomy that they've experienced through a lot of this work, and I think that's the key thing that the team needs: give the people the autonomy to to do their jobs properly. Okay, great. Now, the other thing, obviously, that hit another nerve here was this, this burnout. So there's, I can't read all the SMSs, but the gist I'm getting from that is that people aren't so much worried about the burnout in the day today, where you can't sort of go outside for a walk or walk to the shop and get a cold drink. And, 
but it's it's the the constant work where um it gets to the end of the week and you're just absolutely shattered. It gets eight o'clock at night and you just can't and I'm finding that I'm finding for the first time it comes my time and that's where I would really sit down and sort of get the creative juices flow. All I want to do is vegetate in front of Netflix. I'm exhausted. Yeah. What, what, from your experience, what's the solution to creating gaps, holidays, recuperation, recovery time? How does one do it? So I think that there's a number of strategies you can put in place. The first and easiest one is team agreements. Agree on times when there are no meetings, right? So create as a team, say, guys, as a team, we don't have any meetings internally, you know, externally, depending on the kind of business you're in for on these hours a day, right? Or these two days a week or whatever you can do. Some businesses can actually do it like at a day a week to say, right, there's no meetings on this day. Some people do it for half a day, twice a week. You know, some people just do it for a few hours here and there. But actually say, this is no meeting time. And that's really valuable because it allows you to just kind of switch off and focus on tasks. And that in very many ways can be energizing because Zoom is actually exhausting. This this video call, there's a lot of stuff happening with all the little bobbing heads, you know, and there's a lot of like research now into Zoom fatigue, the fatigue that video causes. Um, because it's not really right. Like I'm looking at you, but you're on a screen and your head is smaller than it should be. And it's, you know, saying it's, it's not the ideal environment. So your brain's working overtime to try and make the, the pictures make sense. So, so a time without meetings. B, it's the sense of engagement that you have to do. So you have to actually be conscious of investing in allowing people to engage again in activities that are not just work related. Because the work-related stuff is so easy to do now that you actually have to focus on the non-work-related stuff. Before, the work non-work-related stuff was easy to do because you'd always be doing it. But now the work stuff's so easy. So you've got to focus on the non-work stuff. So it's things like, you know, we organize chocolate tastings with a company called Honest Chocolate based down in Cape Town. Um, and they do these virtual chocolate tastings for us. So we'll kind of get, you know, when we're working with clients or even internally in our teams, They'll ship chocolates to everyone's house. The chocolatier will get on onto Zoom and we'll have like an hour and a quarter session where we're tasting chocolate. He's telling us where the chocolate comes from and all the different flavors and what influence. Like, and it's just a great fun experience that brings everyone together on a chat and you go from there. So those kind of things are the important things to do that help invigorate the team and make it more exciting, make it more, more like, you know, make the days better. Yeah, well, I'm just listening to you and thinking, this is so simple. This is like baby stuff. Like, why did not everybody, why has everyone not thought of it? It's a whole new world. It's a whole new invention. It's a whole new way of doing things. And what's so important often is to, is to connect with the never had of the world so that you can just get yourself reinvigorated and reconnected. Never, unfortunately, we're out of time. Just a little one saying, hey, Thomas, how can we get hold of you? How can people reach out to you? Sure. The easiest way to reach me is you can send me an email. And uh, that's Nevo, N-E-V-O at D-Y-D-X.digital. And yeah, I'll get back to you from there. Fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on. And I look forward to speaking to you later in another six months. And we can just catch up where we want. Thank you so much for your time. Perfect. Thanks, Avi. Cheers. Great. Thanks, everybody. We can finish this little meeting. I'm going to go on to the next. So Craig will be with you for the next few minutes. Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish.
This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. This is RV on Money, and it's great to be with you again. I thought, thought that, uh, that interview before, as always, with Neva Hadas was really, really interesting just to see how things have moved and changed. But we've got another almost schizophrenic solution scenario going on in the markets where a lot of you, I'm sure, have noticed that your portfolios that have really been doing nothing for a while have all of a sudden, you know, swallowed some dynamite and are really moving forward. Doesn't make sense when we know so many people are really struggling, businesses are struggling, governments are struggling, and yet the markets seem to be doing well. So um, when, uh, um, when sorry, when Nishan Governor wrote this article about examining the stock markets and the truth, true worth of the financial assets, I thought this is a man I want to speak to because he's got a lot of explaining to do. Nishan, how you, uh, Nishan, how you doing? I'm well, thanks. How are you? And, and thanks good, for having good. me. Good, I'm so excited to speak to a guy from Citadel without a tie on. I feel so, so liberated. <laughs> <laughs> good. Take us through it because that's the thing, you know, that I'm seeing as a financial um, planner. All of a sudden, you've got everything to show up people's um, investments. And now all of a sudden, there's like rumor in the market. What is going on? Or are we just going to crash and burn? Yeah. Uh, it's an excellent question. It's a question I've heard so many times over the past six months that I thought we had to put out a combination of pieces and, and you're, you're referring to the first one. It's this idea that the economy and the stock market are two very different things. And we've seen this dislocation of Main Street or typical businesses we pass every day versus the wider stock market just get larger and larger. And I had a client ask me and she she said, Look, I, I walk through London and businesses seems to be closing, but the stock market seems to be going higher. And the response is, if you look at the biggest stocks on any index right now, they're stocks that quite frankly have benefited from lockdowns, from the COVID-19 environment. And as you sort of wade through that article, you start to see that you almost needed to reframe your thinking after March last year. When we were thinking about businesses, it definitely was going to be a worse environment when the pandemic hit for virtually every single business. But there are some things that have counteracted that, that have balanced against that. And you need to start to factor that in to understand where the stock market should be. So that's exactly what you say in the article, by the way, a really nasty written piece, easy to read, and I'll put it up on my website so people can, uh, so yeah, I'll put it up on my Facebook page so everybody can go have a look at it. One thing you say there, just to break it down to maybe more simpler, simpler terms, is that we don't need to, we mustn't look at the market as it is right now. We've got to look at those big companies, which also have often very deep pockets and allow them to weather this type of storm. But what is their value going forward? Just as I'm sitting here, and you used Apple a lot as an example, but just take companies that are in that space. All of a sudden, I always only had one laptop. I've now got two because I'm paranoid. If one goes down, I might as well just hibernate for the next two weeks. So there's always a backup. More than one phone, which I always laughed at people, but and I, I just can't have downtime. All of a sudden, this technology is moving forward. So if that's what's going to be the norm, those companies are going to be selling more product going forward. There's going to be more demand for their product going forward. And therefore, the value right now is based on their ability to provide those services going forward. Have I stolen your thunder altogether? Because I hope I have. No, I, I think you've led into it very nicely. I almost think of it as tech and ex-tech. And the example I like to use is Microsoft. 
because we've all done this. We've had this Microsoft license on XP or Vista or 10 that we just never upgraded ever because we didn't need to. And I mean, with us at Citadel, it was the same story. And then the pandemic hit and every single machine got updated to Office 365. Every machine was connected to Azure. The environment for a lot of large cap technology companies was buoyant. It was all of a sudden new revenue was flying in through the door. It's the same for Apple, same for Microsoft. You can go down the list, quite frankly. If you think X-Tech, though, the, the story becomes to be a bit more complicated because you have to involve stimulus and lower interest rates to try and piece together the view. So what we started doing last year is saying, look, for non-tech companies, there's going to be some loss in the calendar year 2020, thanks to COVID-19. Different for different companies, but there will be some loss. We then start to think in the future, like you mentioned, and go, even though there is that loss, this crisis is going to avert at some point, thanks to vaccines, the waves getting less and less. What's the recovery rate of those lost earnings in the next one, two, three years? And if we can start to think and framework that, then we can understand where equities should be. And initially, that recovery and loss rate were pretty poor. But as economies stimulated themselves, lowering interest rates, putting money straight back in the hands of consumers, the recovery rate got better, the loss rate got better, and that's what's helping the market stay where it is. So the fact that interest rates are low, doesn't that help also because you and I can go and now borrow money at a far lower rate than we could have in the last 15 years? And all of a sudden we could maybe, you know, do the renovation that we never thought would be possible. We could borrow money at a lower rate to settle certain amount of debts. Or unfortunately, those who are literally borrowing in order to put food on the table. That is also stimulus in the economy. Yeah, 100%. It's a double-edged sword because we're dealing with the psyche of people who have dealt with two large recessions, crises in the last 10 years. Um, and unfortunately you have to sort of the, the mentals, the mental hurt that people have had from that means that they're not just taking on significant loans like they did in the past. There's quite a high savings rate now, mm -hmm. but you are seeing in the U S for example, where people generally have fixed rate loans, they are refinancing at lower rates and that stimulatory effect will be there. It is quite incredible how everything sort of come together at the same time. Of course, those who were sitting in fixed assets and were sitting in uh, money market funds, really sitting pretty and laughing that everybody else in the market is not sitting so pretty at the moment. But Nishlein, let's take a quick break. We need to run to the shops because someone has to pay for the show. So uh, give us a second. Let's run to the shops and we'll come back in a second. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. This is RV on Business. And just to let you know that this month is the Car Insurance Industry Day, and it was actually yesterday, but it's a perfect time to reevaluate your current car insurance. So SMS the word OUT, O-U-T, to 40251 or 4025 or call 0800-60,000 for a quote. Our insurance can save you a lot of money. If they can't, because you can't be, they can't meet the quote, then you can ask them for 500 bucks. That 500 can go up to 1,500 rand if you've been claims-free with the same insurer over the last three years. So that's out to 40251 or call 0860000 and let the celebrations begin. Our insurance is an insured, licensed insurer and FSB. T's and C's and standard rate supply. This SMS, however, was free. 
And Nishlen, so was my phone going into energy mode in the middle of reading that loud read, which was a technology glitch I wouldn't have had in the studio. Right, let's come back to interest rates. So, as you said, they low, those are investing are suffering. But if you were the uh, governor of the Reserve Bank and you've got an MPC meeting coming up in the next short while, you're thinking about first quarter 2021, thinking 2021, you're looking globally, you're looking at the interest rate differential across the world. What would your thoughts be? Yeah, the Reserve Bank is in a difficult position because more than almost any other market participant, they're forced to focus on the future. They they have to conceptualize what inflation is going to be 6, 12, 18 months from now. So you could have argued that they could have cut rates once, twice this year by 25 bips, uh, so half a percent basically. And, and many people would have wanted them to do that, but they're looking through to try and understand the effect of food inflation, the effect of just general inflation and where inflation is going to be. Our Reserve Bank over a period of 10 to 20 years now has been exceptional at correctly adjusting interest rates given the environment at hand. I think there is room for another 0.25% cut, but I think they will be very reasonable about how they do that. Uh, And in the interim, at least, if you don't do it, you at least have another bullet in the gun, you could call it. Um, So they will be very patient about it. Uh, you know, there's, there's so much to be said, and I'm happy you said that, because there are times on the show when you get certain people in and certain economists, and you just feel like, you know, are we talking about South Africa or Zimbabwe? Because we, we're really battling across the front, but we've got so many institutions of excellence that are really world-class, or, and I don't like to use the slogan, but they're African and they're world-class. That they're, they, they've got the, that mix, that synergy that comes together and we've got, we've got to be very, very proud of that. And, you know, we all don't love the department, but we're happy that SARS is sort of back on its feet. Um, it went from its heyday of Calvin Gordon to hell in a handbasket. And then look, they've got to sort of come back some way. Um, but yes, interest rates play a, a large role in it. So I'm trying to get through the questions I've had prepared, but people aren't interested in it. All they want you to do is look in your crystal ball and tell them, do they stick with the equities or do they dump them and go sit in moderate funds? That's what they want to know. Yeah, yeah that's a, it's a brilliant question. And because of the pandemic and how volatile it's been, you almost had five years of equity returns up and down in the space of a year. So your view really does have to change. You don't want to say that to clients, but it has to if if information on the ground is moving. In October last year, I would have told many clients to stay out of the equity market, wait for a better opportunity. There were so many risks on the table relating to second waves, potential vaccines at that stage, elections, uh, the potential for, for less stimulus, especially fiscally. You now fast forward to January and a lot of those risks are slowly turning. You've got vaccines and they're all being rolled out. You've got a, a blue wave in the US, which means more stimulus and seems like other economies are also willing to stimulate. The second and third wave of the virus we've now gone through, you've seen South Africa's numbers get a lot better off late. So all of a sudden, those risk factors are turning around. And that's why as part of the article, I say that we're more constructive on equities now than we were in the last nine months of 2020. Having said that, I'm not saying that equities are dripping roast. What I am saying, though, is that the downside seems to be capped because a number of the risks that could have resulted in an equity bear market, markets falling 10, 20, 30 percent, those seems to have ter- those seem to have turned somewhat, and 
thinking about the future means capturing that new information. I, as much as anyone, would like to say, well, equities are overvalued and my view's always been right. But if I'm not nimble to the changing environment, I'm missing it for my clients. Um, so that has changed. So, Nishan, so this morning I just was looking at a graph from 2016 to coming out of a certain fund. And you can see as clear as daylight, April, uh, March, April 2020, where you've got this major drip, but the recovery is almost as quick. And we've seen this many times in the past. Um, am I right in saying that the, the hassle that investors are having now is that it's all good and well to have the ups and the downs, but you've had very moot returns over a protracted period of time, and you've been told, just sit it out, it's going to come right, it has to come right, and every six months you have this meeting and you're waiting for someone to come up with this little glimmer of hope with this magic formula that never sort of seems to appear. Are we seeing that, that those green shoots really starting to come through now? Yeah, I think it really depends on, on where you're choosing to invest. I think if your clients like ours have had money offshore, especially in markets like the U.S., the last five to ten years have been some of the best returns you've ever had. Um, so it is crucial to understand the jurisdiction you're operating in. Um, in South Africa, unfortunately, we've had lackluster returns over a fair amount of time now, three, five years. But that's because in South Africa, the economy has struggled. And as much as I say the economy is not the stock market, there is a significant part of an, of an economy that will relate back to the stock market. And in South Africa, it's your banks, it's your retail stocks, it's your insurers, your property companies. They, they have a weight on our index. And unfortunately, they have pulled down the index because they're struggling to gain traction in a difficult environment. So that's really what it's all about. Is the disconnect? Not disconnect. Is that there's two different areas that one has to be focused on. Michelle, the next the next three to six months, where do you think? Where do you see things going? Yeah. So as it stands, I think it's a reasonably supportive environment for equity markets. So I do see some strength in equity markets from here. And this is a change to the recent past, but it, it will come from areas like Europe, emerging markets, South Africa, because generally when the world comes back online after some sort of recession, those economies that are heavily based in industrials, banks, uh, economies that can turn on the taps really, really quickly, which typically is your emerging economies, they typically do well more aggressively. Having said that, you have to juxtapose that to risk. If we have a worse, worse vaccine rollout, poor stimulus measures or a quick release of stimulus measures, which could lead to higher interest rates, et cetera, quickly, that could be problematic. So as it stands, it seems fine, but that could change very quickly. Fantastic. Vishnu, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for coming on. I look forward to reading the next uh, piece of uh, information that you put out and uh, we'll have you back on and we'll discuss it in great detail. Yes, thank you. Great. Everybody just to let you know that um, that was an interview with the Nation Governor as a portfolio manager at Citadel. Please go along, have a look at the website, get and be in touch with him. If you've got queries um, and if you've got, you know, would like to get more involved and get, tap into his expertise, he's the man to speak to. Craig, thanks for pushing the buttons. Thank everybody for listening. We were going to have Wayne McCurry on this week. Wasn't able to do it, so it's definitely on next week. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Be well. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life.